What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I am filling in for Matt Dryson. And MoGraph is a supplement to our site, MoGraph.com, which is a motion graphics tutorial site with tutorials, plugins, podcasts, and other MoGraph stuff. And on the show, we talk about everything ranging from motion graphics to Cinema 4D, After Effects, plugins, render engines, doing business, doing taxes, being a contractor, or working for the man. You can email us, info at MoGraph.com. Let us know what you think about the show, questions, comments, concerns, queries, grievances, artist suggestions, show topic ideas. We're on MoGraph.com. If you want to check out some of our other stuff, like articles and things, and MoGraph TV at MoGraph.com slash TV, where you can watch free animation stuffs 24-7. I um, almost had the the new bumpers for MoGraph TV all set to go with all the fall things. They, They just rendered before the show, so you'll see that switchover happen fairly soon if you're watching on the uh on the old uh live because we're we're also on there that's what's great you don't even have to switch you, you don't even have to switch to this live stream we'll you do know it live we'll yeah do we'll it live. do it live eff it matt melstead is watching from hey buddy like, i promise to make you proud like disney or somewhere uh he's on vacation uh we've had a a couple uh weird weeks more than that really uh, when's the last time we had a regular show with a regular ass guest? You know, <laughs> haven't done that in a while. But uh, you know, we we did. Uh, we're doing the Dat Tour. We did Half Res, which seems like a year ago at this point. We did uh, Camp Mograph, of Mograph. course, which was amazing. Yep. And we did the wrap up with Casey, and we did the the wrap up with Casey on time, but. Um, I got back in town. I've been talking about, you know, some things going on with my dad. And uh, he was back in the hospital and I got back in town. So I didn't post that show right away. It took about a week and I was about to finally post that. And we were about to start a show two weeks ago. No, a week, a week and a half ago. And I got a call from my mom like minutes before the show that something had happened to my dad while he was in the hospital. And um, we didn't know what it was. They wouldn't tell us. And that's always a bad sign. So... We went up there, and um wasn't good. Really wasn't good. And it was a long, long week. He basically, uh, for 10 minutes, stopped breathing. So he was basically dead for 10 minutes. And when they brought him back, there just wasn't any brain activity. So it was a long week of that. Uh, and um, he passed on uh, Sunday night. So... Obviously, we didn't have a show the next day. I was trying to debate, like, do I want to keep my mind off of things or not? But uh, uh, you just need that time just to kind of process and, and work yeah. through it. So yeah. Wednesday, here we are, and just kind of yeah. working through one day at a time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, for me. I haven't had a lot of people close to me in my life pass. You know, so like I, I feel like the first time. Uh, not that it ever gets any better, but you're going through things that you've never dealt with before. And you not know. having those like those pillars of emotional foundation of okay, how do I process right. this? You're you're working through that live, right? And that's I've never done it before, you know. And that's yeah. hard. Yeah, that's hard. I had a friend that you know I was pretty close to on tour who passed um, earlier this year, but I hadn't talked to him in, in a really long time, you know. And I had a friend who passed while we were on tour, like collapsed at a show. Um, but you know, being forty three years old uh am i 43 i just turned well that's the other thing somewhere in there i had a birthday um (laughs) i just turned 43 and for 43 years i did not have anybody 
that was like super close family that passed and i've never you know i have friends that are 17 years old lost parents and and things you know so it's a long time it's a long portion of your life to go without having that type of a grieving process so it's something kind of new to me anyway um so yeah and um my mom is taking care of my grandmother as well who is a third parent for me she grew up with me she was in my house as, as a third parent which is different than when you lose a grandparent that you didn't know uh, as well you know a lot of my family's been far away as well so when that kind of thing has happened in the past it's always been a relative that you know i didn't really know that well and i was a kid and you know that kind of a thing so i think just just being able to like get it off your chest and share and talk about it and just you know that that helps that healing process and I thought it was pretty cool. Like you were, you and I were talking last night while playing Halo and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, where you even got to like, like play the drums for your dad, who was a big drummer and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that was a really cool just moment. So uh, I, I definitely am, am feeling for you. Definitely thinking about you. And I'm sure the entire MoGraph community is as well. So I appreciate that. Um, the drums thing. The what's that? You didn't what? go ahead. I didn't realize you're ten years older than me. I was just. I also oh. <laughs> recently, so I was like, "Oh, cool! I just turned thirty-three, so yeah, small world." Yeah, I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> That's why I have less hair. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll catch up to you soon. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> Which I haven't shaved. We were looking before the show, and you know, I got this back camera right here. You know, in the studio, and uh, I did not have this hat on. And before camp is the last time I, I shaved, and I was looking at this mess back here. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I need to shave. I have I have it's committed bad. that when the front goes, I'm just going to shave it and grow my beard out. I'll be like a big burly motorcycle guy. Start wearing leathers. Get all my my oh yeah man. sleeves tatted up. I'm yeah. going to do it. Rock it. T- call you Bear Karsten. I'll, I'll rock with that. I'll roll with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah. We got some kind of exciting things in the works right now as far as like uh, uh, current stuff. If I understand yeah. correctly, you guys are about to announce publicly camp mograph australia yeah and it's beyond not a, what you did at camp at MoGraph camp yeah. denver right i think a right. lot of people don't realize that yet we we need to make some announcements but it's been pretty rough uh trying to get some of this stuff out i feel like uh mark is kind of like freaking out a little bit right now because we haven't been around matt's on vacation you know i need to help mark get some stuff knocked out and so we can actually put out there yes we're going to australia and no, it's not the only camp next year, so don't worry about that. This is aimed at, uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit with Casey, but this is aimed at people who are in Australia, mostly. doesn't mean you can't go if you want to spend the money to get that ticket to, to come over. Uh, but we will have a regular, you know, American camp as well. So don't think that you're not going to get to go to camp because it's, like, too far away or right. too costly or whatever. But... If you want to go, uh, that would be great. Uh, come see us out there. If you live in Australia, uh, let's let's do this thing. We're going to make this happen. And uh, don't have a lot of info on it yet. We are still, uh, I mean, we do have uh, tickets uh, that will be going on sale in November. Uh, we, we do have the camp. All that kind of stuff is picked out. But we don't have, like, a theme, like, like, you know, the themes all made and artwork and all that other kind of stuff done yet. We're... We're scrambling uh, to get that going because we only have like a, a month, I think, until ticket sales are a little more than that. But um, so it's been Australia in June. Yep, it's going to be in June. 
and uh so it's kind of cool like uh if if you want to make it your summer vacation you could and i was thinking about it a little bit because if you know if if you're going to pay for the camp and you're going to pay for the flight it's not that bad compared to maybe uh a, another vacation that you might be taking uh, even here in the U.S., because some of these flights here have been so expensive lately. <clears throat> or, or if you're going to like Vancouver, I didn't go to Vancouver this year, like I wanted to. Uh, well, for one, we didn't end up doing the show, but uh, the Dat show in Vancouver. But I was going to go, and the tickets were outrageous. Yeah, tickets are absolutely outrageous. I'm like, I cannot take my family there. It's going to cost me seven thousand dollars. You know. It's it's I don't know how how to move past that either. I mean, I was considering going to Adobe Max. I really wanted to see you know Amanda speak live, see Aaron speak live again, mm-hmm. and just experience Adobe Max for the first time because I've never been. I thought it'd be a really really cool opportunity, but by the time yeah. I'm looking at my budget and the cost and fuel and everything else, I'm like, no way. <laughs> Even yeah. if I went and camped in Jags's backyard, <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> and this isn't this is the first time that Adobe Max hasn't been at the same exact time as uh, NAB East as well you know and so it's like it would have been a good opportunity to go but it just was not in the cards right. this year and so um, what i'm excited about camp mograph australia is i've been talking to a lot of my friends either like in new zealand or in like asia asia area and the fact that people can actually attend a camp mograph which is becoming worldwide known so the fact that this small little 150 group of people that get together every year has a global impact is really cool but now you guys can bring it to uh uh people that don't have to be on an airplane for 19 right. 20 hours right so kudos to the mograph team for doing that we'll still have to be on the plane for that long but yeah it sucks to be you <laughs> <laughs> i think my daughter's gonna come and it now this is this is where it works out for me because uh, we're we're gonna have our tickets covered you know in the budget and things obviously right. if we're gonna go right. there um but if all I have to do is get my daughter the plane ticket, it's going to end up being cheaper than a regular <laughs> summer vacation for the whole family. So, you know. And I don't, I don't know what you guys' plans are long-term if you're doing an international one every year or not. And I don't want to get into that. But yeah. well, we're you know, not she, sure she's, about what, that. 13, 14 years old? She will be 14 soon. 14. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hitting up a foreign country on the other side of the world at 14 years old, that's, that's a pretty cool life experience. Rome if you want to. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. no, Camp Mulgraff, Australia, super exciting. Speaking of Adobe Max and tying into Camp Mulgraff as well, mm-hmm. I watched Amanda Russell's uh, presentation last night, yeah. and there was a lot of camp love in there. It was it was really nice. cool to see her kind of tie it in and, and talk about how, uh, A, she deals with, dealt with anxiety and has has, has been a, a victim of anxiety, for lack of a better word, for mm-hmm. all of her career. And even like doing things at Camp Mograph was scary, but those things helped springboard her to where she's at today because she was like the experiences she had through camp helped her feel and find her voice to present at Adobe Max and that kind of stuff. Uh, had a really cool moment that I was like texting uh, Casey, uh, uh, Casey Smith, because mm-hmm. Amanda was talking about how that conversation from camp with her led to like the whole. Uh, uh, springboarding of like moms of MoGraph and that kind of stuff and so just right. seeing these these camp connections come today it's it's really really cool you should explain moms of MoGraph yeah absolutely uh so casey and jenny davis uh basically got together and they started a, a moms of MoGraph 
community. I believe it's a Slack-based community, and it's for mothers in MoGraph, as it sounds like, to basically have a resource of, of being heard and being a collaboration in a community because motion design as an industry is a fairly niche market to work with or again of those women that are working in motion graphics is of that subsection much smaller and of that subgroup mothers is even smaller (laughs) right so having people that you can connect with and bounce ideas off of and just be like hey uh we have this thing we don't know how to do it i'm just having am i feeling alone here having that resource and those people to connect with is, is really powerful. So um, Mothers of MoGraph, there's a, a sign-up. I should look at what that is real, real quick here. MoGraph. Uh, just at Mothers of MoGraph on Instagram. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a, a, a website somewhere. But yeah, if you're, yeah, a, if you're a mother, yeah. if you are in motion graphics or even just in a related field, no, definitely read out. I am not. <laughs> I am not. I do not work that hard. I'm one big mother. <laughs> uh, Dances for Peace says Camp MoGraph UK question uh, mark. Um, maybe, maybe someday. Uh, but I will say that we we are bringing the Dat Tour to UK to London, um, and we are going to be putting out that info here pretty soon. Uh, it's something that I was starting to work on, but it's been a rough week, obviously. Uh, next week, I have these tentative dates and the ones that we can advertise and stuff. I need to get the the speakers and the panelists and everything lined up. Um, but that will be happening in November. Um, I could probably get the date, but I'd need to pull up my email and all that. And I didn't do any notes for today. so Because <laughs> we're doing it live. We're winging it. It's fine. That's right. It's fine. So we will have that information here pretty soon. We do. I can tell you that we will also be in Miami, for sure. Uh, that's going to be the sixth of December, and that is at Miami Dade College, I think. I believe. Uh, I'm, I am going to double check that one real quick because I know where that email is. <laughs> um, in the meantime, I'll my the URL. <laughs> Miami Dade. Um, well, yeah, I have, oh my gosh, I have so much email that I need to look at that I haven't looked at at <laughs> all, y'all. I mean, you've been kind of going at 100 miles an hour since September, like early September, middle of September. That's a month ago. Let me see what I can find here. So while gosh, you're pulling I that up, to I am gonna... all of these, e- God dang, this is bad. <laughs> this is like people asking questions and things that I have not answered whatsoever this is where we find the value of having a full-time producer that can really hone in and and manage those timelines where's my ai assistant to the producers of the world we thank you yeah uh let's see miami dade i can tell you that i used to work at a place that did a bunch of advertising in miami was miami dade this miami dade that Miami-Dade College, I was correct. That is going to be Wednesday, December 6th. Nice. And I will be at that one. Matt will not be attending. That's around his birthday. So there we go. There we go. I got um, 276 emails. Good luck. <clears throat> Have fun. I recommend Control-Alt or Control-A and then delete. Just yes, just delete them all. 
It's fine. Nothing nothing can <laughs> possibly important, be important. Though, back right? out. Yeah. It's will text me in an emergency. So of all the upcoming DAT tour locations, if there's one that you're like, you really need to go to this one, this is one to travel to. Mm-hmm. Which is what would that be? Uh, well, I've been saying South Carolina. It is no longer in December, though. It is going to be uh, the beginning of next year, first quarter. We haven't worked out the date yet. Um, I'm glad that we decided to push it because we need a little more planning time for this. It's going to be a bigger thing. And um, if you know anything about what's located in South Carolina, you'll understand. Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store, all thanks to their support. Go check them out at otoy.com. Now back to the madness. You can put two I, and two together. I, fi- I find myself it. in an interesting situation because I have some of this insider knowledge, but I don't know what is public it's and what is not. So interesting situation. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, huh, It's how fine. Much can I we'll ask? let them connect the dots. Mm. They could they could do scavenger hunt at camp. They can figure this out. <laughs> you know? Which, by the way, that was fantastically well done. What you did for the the scavenger hunt? Thanks. Thanks. Uh, some of my favorite memories revolve around said scavenger hunt. Um, specifically, I'm, I'm thinking back to I'm, I don't remember who was all in the group, but I know one of the keywords was orange. And mm-hmm. after Matt and I spent some time helping uh, Jake and Anna, and there's a couple other people in the first group. Find the first location and key. Uh, Chris says your mom is in South Carolina. Uh, <laughs> Somebody's uh, mom is. Somehow we were tied into being like, or Dryson was tied into being the the person. You got to find Dryson to get the next clue. Oh yeah, yeah. And I wasn't part of the scavenger hunt, but the co- code word was orange, and it just so happened that a group of people that were stuck, I walked over to go help them out, and there happened to be a giant orange in the ground. So of course I pick up orange. Oh. And you could connect the dots. How much fun I had with that. Yeah. That's a good time. Fake clues. Distractions. Fake Maybe clues. we need to do that next year. Like more purpose. red herrings. Yeah. Red herrings. There we go. Yeah. There we go. I like fish. <laughs> I do not. Uh, not really. I am. I am the world's worst fisherman. True story. The worst. So you've had some frame one episodes lately that have come out. Uh, one episode a month. Frame episode one show show dot com. Uh, we've been revamping our website, um, and although you probably can't tell, uh, it has been revamped. The back end isn't released yet, which we've been talking about for freaking ever. But the front page that has been redone now is ready to go, and I would I, I need to put the frame one stuff up and, uh, and do a little bit of uh, you know put the podcast info up and all of yeah. That stuff. Would love that. So right now, if anybody wants to watch it, all the episodes are free. They're on YouTube. Um, we have the audio version that goes to – we host it through Buzzsprout, so it lives on, like, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, uh, Spotify. Basically, if you have a place all for – All the things. All the things. All the places. All the things. Um, yeah. The last episode that was released was with Austin Saylor, and I have to admit that was a super fun conversation, uh, really documenting his journey of going from zero to making $200,000 in a year. And doing it twice, not just once. Uh, shared a lot of insight and tips and that kind of stuff. So you can see here we have our, our famous Nick Donlin as part of our team. A huge shout out to him because uh, without his cinematography skills, the show would 
not look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really, the reason the show looks good is because he's there and helping out. In fact, this little edit at the bottom you see in the video file was all Nick's editing skills. I am Sweet. not that patient nor nor uh, <laughs> ready. And I also got to give mad shout outs to my business partner, Courtney, for mm-hmm. all the branding and, and that kind of stuff because I am, I'm not a designer. I cannot make things look good. I'll make a move, but I, I can't make things look good. I tried. So just takes yeah. time. Just takes time. Takes you know. time. Uh, at this point, we have our next two interviews for the rest of the year. So November and December mm-hmm. are recorded. They're in process of being edited right now, and so we're trying to line up a schedule for 2024 to see where are we going to travel to, who are we going to film, who do we want to see. So if you have an idea of someone you want to hear from. Um, kind of the criteria is we're looking for some leaders within the creative industry. Does not have to be motion, just creative in general. Uh, I think episode two is a photographer that I, I really re- respect and admire. Um, just to kind of hear, hey, how did you find your success? Were you scared when you started? Were you nervous? Did you feel confident? And what steps did you take through the years to kind of get to where you are today? So if you have someone in mind that you want to hear that story and that journey from, you think it'd be a great episode for Frame One. Shoot me an email, um, and I'd love to put them on the list. Cool. Do you see my Do you see my light blinking? I do not. It's on this side. Mm-mm. Hmm. My light is blinking. My 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 key light is blinking. Hold on. No, it looks good from here. Let's see if that fixed it. I think it did. That was weird. Huh. Anyway, um. I think, uh, yeah, uh, Barton would be a good one. Barton would be and a good one, yeah. I would love to make a second trip to Texas. I think we need to figure that out. All know? right. Maybe, uh, I don't know, whatever works for you. I mean, we could really time it where you could bring me another third of a cow. So, <laughs> Done. Sold. Yeah, we need I will, to I will make out. a trip specifically for that. What's a Just, slaughtering season? Uh, Year-round. Oh, year round. okay. Let me know. Well, then any time. <laughs> oh i'm sorry vegans uh yes that was that was that was fun that was kind of a a sub reason of why i came down to texas was to bring you bring you some some food and that was an epic backyard texas barbecue i will say yeah. you are one of my favorite cooks that i know Ooh, thank straight you. up yeah i am uh looking forward to eating some chili with some of that uh, ground beef. Julie's got it defrosting right now. There you go. There you go. I don't know, man. I don't think you can top the grilled cheese sandwiches at Camp Mograph this year. Flame grilled. I think I probably said this already, but, um, you know, it's it's just an example of uh, putting a constraint in, you know, to, to, to make something. You know, like putting in a constraint when you're doing Cinema 4D or... Something like that, like a challenge or something, right? So the there constraint was you don't have a flat top to cook these on. <laughs> but it turned out being amazing because you just dip them in butter and you let them bur- burger king it. Bur- you know? Basically, ba- yeah. you can have it your way. You have it your way. BK. <laughs> Gosh, that's in commercials. Oh. Uh, yeah. While all the madness was going on and we were at camp, a new Cinema 4D came out. And I haven't even had a chance to look at it yet. Have you? I have not. I have not. Uh, the last time I upgraded Cinema 4D, it seemed like all my menu buttons disappeared, and I'm not in there enough that it justified uh, the pain points. Your menu buttons? Are well, you like, talking you know, about like certain, your custom? Yeah, like certain, like, oh. you have you like your, like, the Grace of the Gorilla, get upset the preferences there, like your render views disappear, or just like... Uh, you even gotta save when, your layouts, dog. 
See, I, I, I play in Cinema 4D, but I'm not a worker <laughs> of Cinema 4D, so... Yeah, you gotta, you gotta save them layouts, you gotta reload all your plugins. I do wish that it would do auto-migration. That would be nice. That would be nice. It, it's one thing, like, to have the yearly updates, but now with, like, these regular updates, I kind of wish there was something like that, you know? It, I, I, one thing I really like about the MoGraph community is the fact that it seems a lot of people that follow you and Matt are very much so power users of, of the software. Mm-hmm. And so if I ever have a question, I'm like, all right, I know I can get an answer. I can pop in and ask you guys. And you'd be like, yo, dude, that's, that's basic. We got you. Here's 30 seconds and you're done. And you're re- ready to rock. I would be interested in seeing some like entry level stuff kind of dribbling all out along. So just kind of, I don't know what that would be. I could find my pain points and share them along. But, uh, just, you know, little idea, little idea nugget for you guys to, to play with, you know, just in case you're looking for a little more content. <laughs> um, there's some great thi- I mean, that's the thing. Like, they just make it easier and easier to use. Um, the, the speed is something that I want to check out for myself because that's been my biggest complaint, honestly. The speed, the speed? in the viewport. Um, when you have a heavy scene, just just doesn't handle it well. And you would open up houdini and i know they're made differently but you open up houdini and it's just like oh okay you know 20 million polys no problem just butter butter smooth and um that's one of the things that's supposed to be a lot better a lot faster uh one of the ways you can check is there actually is an fps count that you can bring up uh if you just shift c and do the fps thing you can see how fast the scene is going so i'm gonna put it it's that's basically what chris and Noseman did uh when it first came out did a little test and just one scene open it here open it here look at the difference huge difference i think a scene going six frames a second in the viewport went up to 30 and i don't know what voodoo they're doing in the background but i would like to try it myself and see what it does with some of my heaviest problem scenes that i that i know that i've had in the past um so let's see what it says. Delivers unmatched speed and performance. Eh. Okay. Well, we'll put an asterisk next to the speed, but <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, to be determined. I got to be truthful about that. That's my biggest thing. I, I am very much like, I, I very much get irritated when something interrupts my creative flow. And I feel like that's something that companies need to concentrate on um, because I'm not just talking about crashes, right? Like I, you know, like crashes are one thing I get enough crashes um, because I use a lot of things together, right? Anytime you use a bunch of plugins mixed with a thing and then it has another thing and then a plugin, there's more potential, like you're, you're expanding your potential for crashes, right? You have more points of failure, potential right. points of failure. Yep. And you're going to have crashes. I get it. Right. Like I'm, loading up octane with like a ridiculous amount of geo and i'm putting in smoke and i'm asking it to do all this stuff and render over the network and it's just ah sometimes it just freaks out right right and sometimes it's it's octane sometimes it's cinema doesn't know how to do something and they don't talk to each other whatever it is like those kind of things happen but it interrupts your workflow right so what could make that better Besides never crashing, because that's that's never going to happen, right? We're just going to assume we're never going to have a crashless society. I have I have noticed the one uh, productivity hack that I've had for uh, not being pulled out of my zone of working is 
locking my bedroom door, my office door, <laughs> so my kids can't come running in at three, four, five times an hour. Well, that's a good one. That's but that doesn't one. help. <laughs> with, Get rid of the Cinema 4D. <laughs> yeah, but with Cinema 4D, okay, speed is one thing. So hopefully that's taken care of. We're going to try that out and see, right? Um, some other things that I would like to see personally, I would like to see, like Octane used to take a long time to load up a scene, right? Before it would render. Yep. That was the yep. thing. It had to calculate, do this weird calculate with each frame and all this stuff. That's gone. That saves a lot of time now, right? With cinema, one of the things I noticed in the latest version is it takes a lot longer to load, right? Which it's like, well, that's not big of a, that big of a deal. It only takes 30 seconds to load. Okay, on my brand new computer, it takes 30 seconds to load. But what happens when I have a bunch of crashes in a day? Maybe if it's not even Cinema 4D's fault, whatever it is, I'm pushing it to the limits. I understand. But, but that time adds up. Right. And, and so when you're it, sitting there spinning your wheels for 30 seconds, mm-hmm. not only is it frustrating, but like you get physically your emotional state shifts too because now you're like, right. I was in the zone, I was going, and now I'm sitting here waiting. When's the last time I saved? Wait. It's like, I just want to know. And uh, uh, Okay, it's open. You know. Here's a question I have. So I was working on a personal project in cinema, again, pushing my boundaries of what I can do, and the file corrupted just crashed closed and i mm-hmm. cannot open it tried re-importing it tried opening from different project files and I've it's it's gone yeah i'm curious happen. how frequently have you experienced that happening it's not often and okay. it's not a problem because i work directly off the of dropbox so when a file gets corrupt that i've saved even if i have saved over it i can right click choose history Go back and bring it back to the point where it was working because you can restore. Like This episode versions. brought to you by Dropbox for Business. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I love to hate Dropbox, but I tell you, man, um, that's, that's one of my biggest things. Or I've done this before, too, and you have to do this the right way. Like if you write over a file, sometimes it's like, OK, it thinks it's a new file. Or, right, or if you like, if you, let me rephrase that. Let's say you have uh, uh, version 01, version 02, version 03. Okay, let's say, how do I put this? Let's say that version, uh, let's say version two, you did, you had something working, right? And then yep. version, uh, I'm going to go back even more. Sorry. Let's say you let's say you uh, deleted version two, you made a new version two, and you put it in the same folder. It doesn't see that as the same file anymore. Okay, right, if different you, file oh, names. Right, but no, even if it's the same file name, but you deleted it first, you made a new file with the same name. It's not the same file. It's not hashed the same. It doesn't know. Hey, this name of this file is the same as a file that you deleted a long time ago. Right. Okay. If you're okay. overwriting a file constantly. It knows, right? So here's what you do. Let's say you were in version 2 and you had something working correctly, okay? Then you saved version 2 and something was unknowingly not working right. And then you go to version 3 and then you continue in version 4. And you're going up and you're like, man, that was working like four versions ago. And then you find, oh, well, between 1 and 2, somewhere in there, something stopped working. So you go in, you go to the version of that file where it was working you save you you bring that in you save that as a new file and then you go back and restore the original because you never know if you're going to need to go back to that file 
So then you have this new version of the file. So again, that's another Dropbox thing where you can find like these weird middle steps where it's like, God, I spent an hour working on that. I finally got it right. But version one is before I did it. Yep. And version two, or version one is before I did it. Version two is after I messed up what I figured out in the first place. You know, so rather than redoing it, you you have that backup to go to. It's a long explanation to explain that. I think the moral but, of the story here is work in versions because oh, that's dude, a smart way to work. Constantly. <laughs> Anytime I do something major, like a mix all this stuff down to Geo or run this sim- giant simulation and make a big change or whatever, I'm constantly doing version saves. And then I do a Z underscore archive folder in that Cinema 4D directory where I dump those extra files when I'm done with them and I unsync a- them from Dropbox. So there's just always an archive you know, so. That's an awesome productivity hack. Typically, I work with daily files, so you know, V1 is day one, V2 is day two, V2 three, so forth, so on and so forth, until you get client feedback and revision, and then that becomes another mm. version number. But See, I don't then use you the lose dates. eight hours of work. Well, yeah, and but I don't use the date stuff because you can get a date from the modified or creation date of a file. So yep. I never work with dates because it really doesn't matter to me it's like whatever the latest number is that's the latest version right it's never going to really change now i can understand if you wanted to mark certain milestones for sure you know like this is client version one or or whatever but i i just never find myself going back to anything like that unless Mm -hmm. it's a case like i was just talking about like oh and, and then i can just open the files and find what i'm looking for you know, it you know would be kind of fun. It'd be kind of fun to compare and contrast different studios' file structures and for file structure formats. Mm-hmm. Just think, hey, what do you do? God, what do it's I do? So boring, but so interesting. <laughs> really, and all at the same time. <laughs> That's how you know when we're niche in the industry. Like, hey, how's right. your file structure set up? <laughs> and I got a really simple file structure now, and uh, I have been using it for years. So. I, I used to be very simple, and I and then I got really anal at our last my last full time job uh, because I developed it for that, and it was developed for a 52 episode uh, TV show we were working on, and so you had footage that you're grabbing throughout the year. You had to like make sure it's placed in the right spot, and just became very anal with mm-hmm. not losing everything. That's a little more complicated too. I think there's a lot more moving pieces and parts to that. You know, I think in total, I think we ended up with 150 terabytes of footage. By nice. the end of the project, nice. so it was it was a minute to think about everything. Man, uh, yes, <laughs> and some other things that make things faster are things like how fast does it save? I feel like the last version, twenty twenty three, was saving slower than before, and maybe it's saving more information in there. Um, I don't know. It just there's little things like that where it's like okay you're trying to go fast you hit save you're ready to do the next thing and then you're sitting there waiting for the cursor and i'm on a pretty pretty spanking fast computer now i'm not calling out maxon specifically because this applies to um, everyone i see with adobe a lot too trying to save an illustrator file or photoshop (laughs) file and it'll sit there and spin and spin and spin i'm just like yeah all right i gotta get back to work Oh EJ, <laughs> look at look at this. I got I'm sorry. I'm going to call out EJ right now. I'm going to call out EJ. This is this is what's new in Cinema 4D, and this is a gorgeous freaking render. But eh, 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 eh. 
Put some more segments in that sphere, dog. <laughs> Put some more segments in that sphere. Now let's Put watch more this. Uh, Cinema Four. The slower renders. I'm gonna mute this. Here we go. This is uh, this is old Rick telling us what's Thanks, new. Chris. Chris says he's been enjoying the Frame One podcast, and it makes me feel very special inside. Ooh, it really nice. does. And I'm sorry I haven't been on Discord lately, y'all. I will be back around Discord pretty soon. Man, so much like this is oh, this is gorgeous. I love all of this and real time viewport recording. Okay, that's that would be nice for that's interesting. Uh, I've, yeah, animatics and play blast for clients. I haven't see this is the thing I haven't even had a chance to look at this stuff yet. You know, um, rigid body simulations now interact with existing forces, pyro fabrics, and soft bodies. Pyro now offers more precise controls to art direct. Um, by adding the pyro tag to standard particle emitters, thinking particle geometries and matrix cloners can now emit pyro. That's very interesting. Um, I also saw they've got the sticky stickiness on. Here's a gr- uh, MoGraph, MoGraph stuffs. I want you to educate me real quick here. What are the limits of Cinema's built-in particles versus something like Exidium or, you know, uh, X-Particles in Cidium? Uh, it's, it's no contest. The thing yeah. is, it's not that the particle system is bad in... Let me switch back to this, uh, to our two-box here. It's not that the particle system is bad in Cinema 4D. It's really great for doing a lot of very easy things it's just that there are no advanced tools like you have in x particles x particles is so dang advanced with it and it makes me wonder honestly like where they're going with what they're doing because all of this stuff is based on particles and things in the first place right like pyro and all that stuff right makes me wonder if there's kind of a plan for that you know let's get our framework um, figured out and then we'll yeah built upon it that makes I mean, sense the thing is if you're going to do if you want to do uh, a bunch of balls or cubes or shapes like just shooting through the air and stuff you know emitting just put a regular emitter on there don't don't use x particles for that but there's just not the drill down that you get with x particles right it's Noted. not it's not the same um chris said the 2024 viewport performance boost is all i ever wanted great update for me okay that's very. That's a very good sign. I know Chris is doing a lot of heavy stuff. He's bringing all them CAD drawings in and all of that stuff. Man, CAD is CAD just kills it. And I don't really understand how it works processing wise. But when you bring in a CAD drawing, if you've done it before, you know that it's a pain. Yeah. You know that each polygon is going to come in as an object, and it's just going to suck, and it's going to be slow. And something weird about you take all of those polys and you combine them into one. And then all of a sudden it's fast. And I don't understand. I never really, I never understood how that works in the background. I'm sure there's a perfectly good explanation, you know, Um, but optimizing the CAD stuff for Cinema 4D is such a uh, Mm -hmm. out there thing. I've only dealt with it like two or three times. Yeah. Just enough to kind of find my way through it. But trying to clean up, clean up a mesh, because the one specific project that I was working with... Clean up your mesh. <laughs> it was all wireframe stuff. So not, not only do you have all that geo, yeah. but you've got all the other stuff you don't want shining through. Right. And cleaning that up was just... Uh. And sometimes... Here's another thing that I would love. I, I just... I have all these ideas, and it's like, why don't they just do this? There's such a process to do any of these things at Maxon. I understand. 
I understand, but you know, I just have ideas and I got to spit them out. Um, have you ever gotten a model that was probably not made in Cinema 4D? It's either oh, yeah. like a an FBX or or again some CAD stuff that you mix down, right? Well, it does go in and it puts all the a, a lot of times it puts the material tags next to it, right? Yep. And and you're like, okay, I could figure out the pieces of this if I could only grab the tags that go with each one of these materials correctly, right? It's like, okay, this whole section over here is blue, and that's because I have a blue material here. But now there's 500 textures on this one object, this one mixed-down piece of geometry, and I do not know which one of these blue textures that are in here goes with that piece of geometry unless I click on every individual selection tag yep in the ed- in the in the face edit mode polygon edit mode and see if it selects the right thing i wish i could click on a polygon and say select that tag is that possible can i say give me the selection tag that is associated with this polygon it finds it and you say select and then pfft, there it is because like usually with grabbing CAD- the parent basically yeah because well with, with cad and with all of that kind of stuff right it groups them together, the pieces together usually, and I'm sure Chris can like chime in on this. It it groups those those things together. Okay, yeah. so like let's say you had a, a I don't know a steam was, shovel. Yep, go ahead. Model right, and and like all of the metal components had different metal textures on them, and you're like this piece right here I need to turn blue, and you click on it, but you, then you need to select that geo but there's no good you try the fill selection and that works 80 percent of the time but then sometimes it doesn't you're like i just want to select these that are associated with this tag without having to go find it without having to click on all these individual tags and say select nope that's not it select that's not it even just being able to break up geometry more more efficiently. For example, I was working on a tractor scene like last last two weeks ago, and all the tires were grouped as one object. So I could rotate the tires as an entire axis, wherever my hands at here. Uh huh. But I couldn't rotate the tires like they were driving because it was all pre-grouped as one object. Right. When it came in. Right. That's so, like make yeah. it easy to separate that. Right. So you have to select, get those tires. Then you have to select the individual pieces of geometry. You have to um, duplicate them. One for each, each one. Each one. Then select it. Select the inverse. Hit delete. Yeah. You know. Um, there's also kind of another way you can do it, but it's where you select them and then you say separate. The, there, there's a command for it, but still it gets confusing because you separate it, but then the original still has that piece and then you have yep. to go delete it anyway so i don't even yep. use that command um but then you have to take those and you have to go to point mode and you have to do axis center and you have to like redo all of that those types of things for me are are things that interrupt my workflow that interrupt the creative process because i'm doing these tedious tasks you know and and obviously maxon can't think of anything er, anything of everything, everything. No, nobody's going to be able to think about that but sometimes i get into these regular workflows where i'm like i should write this down right and i should tell them the problem i'm having and see if there are enough people that maybe have this problem that maybe there's a good solution for it 
honestly, these are the kinds of things that, that I really feel AI would be best suited to, to work towards. I was going to say that. Um, imagine if AI could just take a look at that one piece of geo and the selection tags real quick and go and just done. done. I've separated these pieces for you. Yep. Like, take, take the tedious things that I, I don't want to spend hours fixing and prepping to animate mm-hmm. and just automatically set them up. Um, right. Recently, actually, Austin was the first Frame 1 episode that, that uh, we started using a service called Opus. And basically what Opus does is it takes your long-form YouTube URL, you pop it in there, and it automatically grabs different sound bites based on a keyword. Mm-hmm. So I can put in um, branding. And any point in our conversation, it'll, it'll automatically transcribe, go through and try to find anything that we talked about branding, cut out those either 30 or 60 or three-minute sound bites, and then auto-generate everything. And I can do an entire month's worth of work in about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Because in, in August... Uh, I, I went through and, and did the episode of Aaron Swarovski. I did, I believe your guys' was involved in that. And then another one where we went through and uh, uh, manually cut out each of those micro pieces of content. And it took 20 hours. And now I can do it in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff I want to see. I'm looking at what Chris wrote here. Autodesk, um, Adobe, Microsoft, Google for conversion development. An odd comment that no one believes but is the basic truth. Yeah, because there's converter programs, and even those are, some of them are quite massive and expensive. But but again, it's something I think AI could do, and I'm, I've been looking at AI for all sorts of stuff, and I'm, I am trying to figure out how to build an AI box that, I think this is something I talked about already, but an AI box that's like the Amazon or Google Dingus, but it's constantly listening to me. Not sending it all to the internet, just something I could like literally build myself, maybe with one of the new Raspberry Pi 5s. Those things are freaking fast. They can actually do... Well, I don't even know if you can buy one yet, but man, they, I mean, they do 4K, they have all this extra processing. Yeah, I think you can do like a... You can do an external graphics card. I'm like, man, you could, um, you could build a box like that that would just listen to everything you say. And give suggestions or, or whatever it is. Imagine if the thing was listening to you all day and it, it just kind of started putting stuff on your calendar for you. I noticed you started you know. swearing today. <laughs> yeah. I ordered beer. <laughs> yeah. I ordered you these gummies from Denver. <laughs> Magical. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, That's a good idea. This good morning, idea. Uh, I saw, uh, if I can find my saved thingies i saw that the new stable version of octane 2023.1 is out and i am going to go to my save stories to read you the features we are going to get back on again this is the fall kind of regroup right so we're going to get back on the the episode train we're going to probably most likely will be me and matt next week only um but start getting guests again we need to do that halloween episode here pretty soon whoop, whoop. and when is halloween this year is it on a wednesday i think it's on a friday actually or sunday i'll look at my calendar i thought it was on a tuesday i say things that aren't true a lot tuesday do i have a calendar open i believe it is it is on it is on uh there i'm back oh i'm on 2024 what's the deal there 
It's on a Tuesday. I'd look it, it up. It is on a Tuesday. All right. Um, yeah, we'll probably do the day before that then. We'll probably do the 30th um, Halloween episode. I got to call EJ and Ariev and get that going again. Oh, man. I uh, think of a new costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then we are going to um, probably get Jules on again. Uh, that's that's what I was getting at there, is that um, usually around Thanksgiving, we usually have Jules on uh, every year to talk about some of the new things coming up. And I'm, again, just like the announcement with max on i haven't had time to really dig into a lot of this stuff some of this i heard it was coming before and i didn't really get a chance to read about it i feel like there was like one geez uh i don't know like nvidia talk that jules did this year that i somehow missed you know with everything going on so uh octane 2023.1 stable um pretty sure this is not available for cinema yet but Let's see here. So they have these things called analytic lights that are coming, and they're like light primitives. Uh, it says they offer a fast approximation of direct light from a large direct source. So a disk light, quad light, which they had before, a sphere light, a tube. With spe- the sphere light technically existed before because you could do that in cinema. The, the tube light, directional light. The directional light is what's interesting, right? Because there's never been a directional light other than the sun in Octane. That's fully directional. And sometimes you want to emulate the sun. And so you end up taking a a uh, disc and putting it really far away and making it really bright but really small. So you create those harsh shadows. But it's not a yep. true directional light. So... There's also certain lights you'll only be able to use a certain amount of them um, to do certain things. Uh, fast interactive direct lighting. Um, one of the things I was I, I saw is they've got a whole new AOV thing, which is which is awesome, which I barely know anything about. But the fast post media rendering is very interesting. Um, it says we've added a post processing pass to add fog. Now, one of the big things that I hear, people who are making this decision about, do I do Redshift, do I do Octane, which one? You know, I hear a lot of people that go back and forth between engines. Some people pick one, whatever. Some people's like, you know, like me, I've been in Octane the whole time, right? Matt's gone back and forth. People like Barton have gone over to Redshift. And a lot of the people talk about workflow, and the biggest thing is fog. It's great, except I need to add fog to my scenes. You know, and it's like, but it's noisy. Everybody knows octane fog is noisy. And the reason is because it is biased rendering. There's like not a physically accurate way to do it without it being noisy, I believe, the way that they do it. So this is kind of like their fake fog. You know, this is kind of like what we used to do. And we were at already been, well, I worked for a short time, had already been chewed as a contractor. And at the time when they were still on octane, that was the trick is you take the scene that you're working on to get the fog, you bring it into Redshift, you do a fog-only render, and then you use that as a layer that goes back on top of your Octane render. 
Got it. But Got it, it seems okay. like okay. that's what they're doing. They're doing a fast fog that you can bring back in, which is awesome. That's really cool. That's really. I, I'm not an Octane user. I, I really like their network rendering. You've told me about it a couple of times, but I stick with Redshift just because it's included in my Max on One subscription. That's it. But uh, that sounds like a really cool way that they found that, hey, we have this limitation of our software. We need to fix it. Here's a creative, clever hack to make mm-hmm. it work. I mean, natively. like beams of light, God rays, all that stuff. If you want to just add some of that, um, they added chromatic aberration in post, which is nice. really cool. I love doing things in camera. Um, a lot of times, and people think I'm crazy, I just rendered a PNG, flat PNG, beauty pass, done, right? Um, that's how I like to work. I, I just, that's how I do a lot of things because it doesn't have to go beyond YouTube or something. You know what yep. I mean? And yep. it's... Um, so I do a lot when it comes to the, the lenses I'm using, the aperture, you know, uh, how many sided, uh, blade, you know, how many blades, you know, things like that. Right. But this takes it to the next level, adds the chromatic aberration, which is awesome. I do a lot of distortion purposely too. I crank my distortion, crank my distortion. And, um, This hit my knee on my desk. <laughs> First person in the world to get injured sitting on a podcast. Um, so, yeah, cr- chromatic aberration and also lens flare in post. Now, I don't know if it's just one flare, but, man, lens flare in post is pretty dope because I'm I'm tired of having to go in and go to After Effects and set a... Uh, um, like a 3D a point, point and, and yep. try and bring in like lens flares and, oh, you've also got to do, you know, uh, a mask. So it, it like this is just in camera. It could be good and I, bad, but it yeah. could be good. I, I, I lens flare. I, 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 that's kind of where I draw my line. I'm like, no, nah, I want to go do that in optical flares with with after effects because Depends. I, Depends, but yeah, I always get very anal about the kind of details that I'm, I'm playing with there and I want to have more control that, hey, I don't like this being purple. It's got to be a little more green or a little more octagonal shaped or, or those kind of things. So I like having those, those fine detail control without having to re-render everything. But you again, do have I'm that. only rocking 13090 Ti. I don't right. have the full network you guys have, too. You need that brigade. I need lots of things, but those, are, those cost money. And well, Dreisen is a broke boy. That's something else that I wanted to ask um, Jules about because I do know that they pushed brigade. It was supposed to be in a release and they pushed it because they were working on something and they want it to be right which I understand you don't want to release it broken but I would like to ask him about that and a blur effect in post that's interesting I don't really understand what you would use that for it's like depth of field not depth of field but like a full blur yeah I don't yeah almost like an AOV huh. type or a, a, like a filter um, animation time transformations this sounds Interesting. I have no idea what you would use this for. Animation time transforms, which can be used by plugins as well. When okay, in standalone, this can be useful when you need to bring two or more animated files together and offset the animation times or scale them. So is it like posturizing time, basically? Yes. It, it gives you, and I'll, I'll try and bring this up here. I do this so we could follow along here. Um, yeah, you've got delay and speed up. I don't really understand. That's kind of... I don't understand the lingo there. Um, set custom animation, start and end. I feel like this is something you probably more use in standalone. Um, you know, kind of like clipping material. 
Mm-hmm. I don't use a lot of clipping material, but when I do, it's a lifesaver. So maybe this would be great in a pinch, you know. Um, clipping is really great for doing some sort of like wipe on of something that's very complicated that you just couldn't bull, right? Like imagine you had like a two po- a two million polygon building, which I've done be- before, and you've got to like make it grow on, you know? Yeah. And the yeah. easiest thing to do is just like sweep a box over it and, yep. and bull the whole thing, but then it gets hairy, right? Um, if you use a clipping material and put it on the box in in Octane, it's butter. It just cuts right through it because it's doing it on the render level. It's not doing it as like geometry. It's not recalculating geometry. So there's things like that that can really, really help you in a pinch. Um, These are the things I'm going to go try doing now. <laughs> I'm also, I will learn. <laughs> I'm, I'm also interested. Uh, I haven't gone through all of this. If they've added the, the ability to stream geometry off the hard drive now which is going to greatly improve performance. You know, it's like out-of-core geometry. No or out-of-core, how would you how Dumb would you this down for it? me. Still um, to be in Dryson's it, it doesn't have to live on the VRAM. Okay. It doesn't all have to live on the VRAM anymore. So imagine you could put a 500 billion polygon model or something on your hard drive and stream that geometry instead of having to load that geometry into your VRAM. It sounds like a lot that's more how it's been anti-crash friendly. It does. It does. It, it, and that's kind of my deal, too. You know, uh, that might really help with uh, things like viewport, for mm-hmm. example. Um, you know, the way that you can stream Orbix files and other things uh, into your scene and, uh, and not, not have it bogged down the viewport. There's just a lot of things like that. Again, it's going to help the creative process and not frustrate you because you crashed because you used too much VRAM, right? I just like that. Cr- creative flow, just all about creative flow. What is the best way to continue on that state, right? You get into your hyper focus, right? Ah! <laughs> and you don't want to stop. You don't want to stop. You don't want to be like, ah. you know, something. Have you ever been to the point where you're working on a project? You're you don't hate it. You're not super into it, but you don't hate it. And you're just working. You're just doing work. Right? It's getting a little late and you're like, I could probably do this another hour, right? And then all of a sudden something crashes hard. And then you realize maybe you didn't save or something's frustrating and you're like, ah, I'm done. Yep. I am done 100%. for the day. Just anything that's helps not break that flow. I had a personal project again because I've been I've been playing in 3D for like a year, but I've never been a, a true power user. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like some of the stuff I've created is it's all right, it's all right, not bad. There was a personal project I was working on about a month ago that is like the best thing I've ever worked on. It was it was beautiful, mm-hmm. and like we talked about earlier, it crashed, corrupted, mm-hmm. and I just said, you know what, I I saw it. And that's all that matters. There are anybody else. <laughs> there are ways to recover it. Like are there? there are way. I think there's a command line thing you can do to try and recover it. That's. I mean, if you still have the files, talk to someone at Maxon. It might be recoverable. Recoverable. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. 
Alexander asks, do you guys have an opinion on the relevance of real-time rendering in the near future? I think it's an inevitable, but I'm not sure how urgent it is to learn. Will pre-rendering ever phase out? That's a good question. Um, I don't think pre-rendering will ever completely phase out because waiting for something to bake on whatever card you got, for, let's say 4090, the best card right now, right? Waiting for something to bake out to be extra pretty will never be the same as looking at something in real time, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how fast the real time gets and how great the real time looks. Letting it bake even longer can always accomplish more calculations and therefore a better looking picture. The question is, at some point on that exponential curve, like when does it even matter anymore, right? So real time and rendering can both make something that the human eye can't even distinguish as different. Technically, if you blew them apart, maybe one had like a million more bounces of light or something, but you're never going to notice. Um, and, and the other thing is that with the real time coming up, uh, we haven't talked about the fact that Unreal is charging now if you're not doing game development, if you're doing video stuff. Um, I don't think it's that expensive, but it's something that um, the other one... Um, the other Blender? one? No. No, no. <laughs> the uh the other the other game software that has escaped my head that everybody freaking knows that I'm just blanking on. I'm sure as soon as you say it I'll I'll follow along and go, Oh yeah, I knew that the whole time. Yeah. Uh uh Unity. Good lord. Ah um, yes. So Unity started charging like this as well, just a few weeks prior. And it kind of makes me wonder, uh <laughs> Thank you, Alexander. Uh, it, it makes me wonder. I just feel like those people knew. I feel like they both knew that they were both going to do that. They both made this announcement, right? I don't, I don't feel like Unity said, we're going to do pay. And then Unreal is like, oh, we're going to do that too. I think they both decided to do it or maybe even collaborated on this. Say both of our platforms are going to do this. Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. You would yeah. imagine if Unity goes first and says they're going to a pay-based model, then Unreal, assuming they wanted to be free, was like, cool, we just captured a lot of their market. But the fact that they also jumped within a few weeks of each other, yeah, I think you're onto something there. And I still don't really have a 
specific reason to go to Unreal. Um, been talking to Matt. He's been up at already been chewed working on stuff, and they did they did some dabbling in Unreal Engine, and they did some great looking stuff in there. But I don't think they're staying with that. I don't think they are, and and a lot of it has to do with the fact that by the time you convert all this stuff and model all this stuff over here and then get all the different pieces and like you're just it it takes so much time that you might as well have just rendered it and and w- instead of trying to do real time because like the difference in time isn't really that bad anymore i think that depends on the project you're working on too if you are in a situation where things are very locked down you know shot for shot exactly what you need to create mm-hmm. let it render let it bake but if you need to be exploring the edit and exploring shot and shot, shot yes. by shot and composition, having that real time, just move the camera around. Oh, there's a cool reflection here. We can move it this way. That's really powerful it's, for Unreal. That's true. But you can do that in your pre-render. You can do that in your viewport and Octane in real time. It just has to bake later. But then Brigade comes into the scene. And Brigade is the real time version of that. So for me, it's like if this and, and again, uh, Redshift RT, I haven't heard anything about that in a while, but Redshift RT, the same thing. So if if you like your DCC and you don't have a reason to move to Unreal and learn about shader compiling and, and have all it's a, it, it sucks. It sucks to install Unreal. It sucks to try and pick it back up again. Every time you pick it back up, you got to reinstall a bunch of stuff. I have errors. I have crashes. It's not the. It's not intuitive the way that I feel it would be intuitive, and it works for a lot of people, and that's great. But if you're somebody who's in the position where you're, you're like, I know how to animate. I have this program that I know inside and out. Are you really going to move over to Unreal just so that you can get real time that doesn't look quite as good? Like, I think that depends on the skill set you're trying to market and as things become more and more prevalent in the industry. If enough studios start saying, yes, we want to do more more un- Unreal work for whatever reason, maybe they like how it works with showing their clients things, how they can just bounce around. I, I don't have an answer here. I'm I think it's a buzzword. I really Could do. Be. I really feel like Could some be. studios are like, oh, we're missing the boat. We got to get on this because, cause, uh, um, you know, Baby Yoda. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, they're doing it. It's like, yeah, but does that mean you need to be doing it? Like, I think at the end of the day, you, you pick your clients, you look at what your client needs, and you serve them those skills. So if, if you've got a client that specifically, for whatever reason, works in Unreal, learn it. Do it so you can be useful for them. But if your clients work in cinema 24-7, keep in cinema. Yeah, it depends on if you're actually like creating art and delivering it as the deliverable to a client or if you're doing project work for another company. Yep. Because, yeah, of course, you're looking for work. If all the jobs are in Unreal, you're going to go toward that. But if you're establishing a business where you're like, no, I'm the expert. I'm going to make it look really good because I'm the expert in this and I'm making you look good. You get to use whatever you want. I agree. I agree. I think that just becomes really being comfortable with knowing who you're, what your business is, who you serve, mm-hmm. and then using those skills for executing whatever that is. Like, already been chewed. They get to use whatever they want. Nike doesn't True. say, I need you to use Unreal Engine for this. They say, this is the best thing. And I don't think they did anything for Nike and Unreal. But, um, but still. But as a freelancer, 
But as a freelancer, I need to know what already been used, using, so need, I build my skill set right. for them. Is it, you know, do you need to know Octane? Do you need to know Redshift? Do you need to know Cinema? Do you need to know Blender? Do you need to know Unreal? Do you need to know Unity? Do you also need to know how to do character stuff? Like, then you're back to this whole thing. So it's like, do you want to be... It's great if you can be a master of all. I don't think you um, really can. I mean, you can you can dabble in a lot of things. Right. But as soon as you start divert, diverting your energy to a lot of different areas, you no longer have the penetrative force to like really hone in and really know the thing and be good at it. So I, I, I really think it's important to sit down, identify what you want to do, who you want to work with, and then build your skills around that. And it's all concepts. You go to 100%. you go to Blender, you go to Unreal. It's all the same concept. You're moving a thing left to right. You're moving it back and forth on Z. You're scaling it. You are rotating it. You are setting coordinates. But it's about how fast can you do that. And if your workflow is so great in a program that it's like second nature and you could do it in your sleep and real time is coming, why would you ever decide to just completely move to another program if that's, if that's the whole point? Create, it's the creative flow. It interrupts my creative flow to sit there and learn Unreal, to learn how to do like some MoGraphy stuff that I could have done in two seconds. It's just not worth it for me. Maybe it, we are more blessed than we think that, that the 30 seconds of saving is or opening is our, our bottleneck right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. But again, yeah, it's about what you want your skills to be. It's about what type of person you want to be. Me personally, I'm of the persuasion where I'm going to be the expert in this and you're going to call me up and I'm going to say, this is what you need. And if you, if a client comes to me and they say it doesn't look right or they want something changed or they want it to look very specific like this, it is easier for me to do that with software I know than software I'm not familiar with, obviously, right? So if I get to make those design decisions and I can make the prettiest picture possible in a fast uh, a short amount of time of course i'm going to do of course i'm going to do that now contrast that yeah. with where i'm at is i hope within the next five years i'm no longer on the box i am working with the clients i'm lining mm-hmm. up the creative and then i rely 100 percent on either in-house staff or freelancers to execute all of our creative and knowing that if we need to have something on archive so when five years later a client comes back and has a revision I have something in-house that we can tap, tap in and work on and make a change because people's lives change. If just because you're freelancing today doesn't mean you're not going to be in-house somewhere in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make sure that my studio has the flexibility to address the changes that our client might have down the road. So mm-hmm. we're a cinema house because right. that's what I know right now, what I'm comfortable with. I don't foresee that changing just because... That's just, just is where we're at. <laughs> and the thing, too, is if you want to be that person... You need to know the essentials. You need to know the basics. You need to know the up, down, left, right, axes, uh, coordinates, all of the stuff that is the same in every piece of software. You don't have to learn Unreal if you're going to just hire somebody to do the one or two Unreal jobs that you get right. throughout the year. You know enough to still art direct and say, hey, that doesn't look right, right? You right. know enough to say that needs some different lighting or that needs to ease in and ease out or whatever it is. You can direct that. So then again, it comes back to the question, do you need to learn that? Like, do you, do you need to or can you just art direct somebody else and, and, be that, and be that person? Let the people who want to learn those skills. I mean, I'm not dissing on Unreal, right? 
there's some amazing unreal people and some people are fully look at jags fully dedicated to this unreal thing and that's his jam right so i'm not going to learn unreal if somebody comes and says hey i need this thing built in unreal i'm just going to call jags because Absolutely. why why go through that for myself Absolutely. Like kill it's myself. another marketable skill that we can all be niche in. Right. You know, you, you don't hire a 2D person to do a 3D job, so why hire a cinema person to right. do an Unreal job? Call your friend, you know, if you don't Share want to. Share the love, do it. spend the money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it, 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 as I've learned, uh, especially, or is, has been emphasized in my life this week, is how precious time is, you know? So you really got to think about that. You really want to think, do you really, you know, you want to go down that road? Do you want to learn ZBrush? I would love to learn ZBrush. Jags has been really cool things in ZBrush. He right has. And, and I've sat down with it. I've got it. I've got a tablet if I want to mess around with it. Um, but I'm never going to be the ZBrush artist, right? I know enough about it so that I can work with other people if I need to, open a project, export something, do something simple, you know, whatever that is. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people kick themselves in the butt for not knowing every piece of software. I would agree, and I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone needs to. I think you you learn the craft, you don't learn the tool. Not you know that's School of Motion one hundred and one right there, Animation mm-hmm. Bootcamp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I love playing with Procreate. I I love I just mm-hmm. designed a tattoo that I'd love to get someday in Procreate last week. Uh, but I'm never going to be a diehard, heavy Procreate user into my workflow. Right. And that's okay. It's something I use as an enjoyment tool, not as a business tool. Right. And ZBrush could be the same way or whatever software. You can enjoy playing in something without having to make a dollar off it. Yep. Absolutely. I'm enjoying doing a lot of that stuff right now. Uh, learning things that just absolutely don't matter that I'm not going to make a dollar off of. You know, it's talking about the drumming. You know, earlier. Yep. I'm not planning on doing anything with that. I'm not planning on becoming a professional drummer. I don't plan on going doing gigs. Nothing. I just picked it up again and that's it. Absolutely. So you could do the same thing with software. If if you want to learn something for fun, yeah. Like, again, I'm not ditching on that at all. Dissing on, dissing or ditching? Both. Dissing. Dissing. Let's do dissing. Dissing. (laughs) Um, DJing. You know, you got a background in the DJ. A little bit. You know the DJ. Um, I, I've been aware. <laughs> I am learning more about DJing just because I want to know. Yeah. I don't plan on being a DJ. I don't plan on doing any gigs. But, like, we've been going to Camp Mograph, and every year people are DJing. And I'm thinking, well, what if we added visuals? And what if we did this? And then, like, and then I want to know what resources can I bring so that other people could DJ or, oh, maybe I'll bring a media library. Well, how will I hook it up? Well, if I know how to DJ and how it all works, I'll just bring some fun stuff for everyone to play with because I know how it works. So now I'm learning how to DJ, too. I love that. I'll totally do, like, a lighting show if you guys want me to bring out some lighting stuff, and we'll DMX it live. I'm and telling you. It. I've been looking but, up uh, uh, USB to DMX boxes that I could plug into this DJ FLX4, uh, you know, make it do media too oh can i get yep. touch designer going with this yep, absolutely can i get uh resolume going with it now i'm now i'm thinking right and you know and it's just one of those things where someday someone's going to come to me which they do sometimes i do a lot of concert stuff and say oh we're doing this thing it's got dmx and, blah, blah, blah. and i'm like well, okay i know how that works 
because I, Alexander you know. made a really good point about it. it's funny how quickly the monetization mindset kicks in for any skill and right. it doesn't need to like there's there's no reason yeah. for it but yeah we're just like okay I've got this thing I can make a dollar off it what's more interesting is how how more often than not those side skills you learn for fun actually benefit your your day job mm-hmm. um, going back also, to the, the DJ yeah go sorry ahead. go ahead. no go ahead and, uh, and be a stress back reliever to the DJ thing yeah, yeah and be a stress reliever yeah, yeah. Going back to the, the DJ thing, you know, my, my first 10 years of my career, I ran a wedding entertainment business. Mm-hmm. And that learning how to harness emotion in a live event for storytelling to help transitions flow throughout an event, 100% is translated into the creative I work on because now I can understand flow, transitions, pacing, timing, even though it's completely different from live action to, to mm-hmm. uh, yeah. animation, yeah. motion graphics. Absolutely. So absolutely says I've been, I love it. I've been mushroom forging lately, but I won't try to make a buck off that. I've been mushroom that forging is something, lately. <laughs> that is something I would love to be more aware of. I'm also too scared to do hmm. mushroom foraging because I'm going to grab like the one I'm not supposed to eat and yeah, die. No, no, that's no, none of that, none of that for me. I haven't actually been doing that. I'll let somebody else do that for me. <laughs> you can do the foraging i trust you bring me the good stuff yeah let the experts oh. do it right absolutely trust yep. trust my friends yep. trust the That's expert you know go to trust the expert yeah go to go get a contractor to take care of that for you <laughs> work it, don't work for the man <laughs> uh anything else going on in the mocraft world right now i don't know i kind of got to pee and stuff and we've been going for almost an hour and a half so i feel like we're feel good. pretty good I feel right. like that was pretty decent uh, for no uh, notes or anything. You know what I mean? I think it's pretty good. And everybody's at Adobe Max, so whatever. They're going to listen to us <laughs> later. Um, so I'm glad we got to have an update. I'm glad we got to do a show. I needed to do it. I needed to get... I, I needed people to know that we're still here. You know? Um, one of the things that happened in my old podcast back in the day... Uh, in the early days of podcasting is we were doing really well until we started slowing down a bit. And when people don't have their weekly show, it just, no, you got to do weekly if you're going to do a podcast like this. Now, I'm not talking about video. That's a whole different thing. Um, But audio podcast, there's a lot of people that every week they're in their car, and I'm sure they've been really confused lately because this show comes out on such random days, and it used to be like (laughs) clockwork every Monday afternoon. So I'm sorry. We'll get better. We're going to get back to guests. I've got uh, a couple people I'd like to reach out to that I've been talking to, and I just kind of put everybody on hold. So You know who would be a good guest? Who's that? Matt Matt Milstead. Milstead. Ah, That's pretty good. So you know what? I'm going to call him, see if he'll be on the show next week. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> all right. Let's get out of here. Thanks, uh, all three of you, for watching the show live today, or whoever showed up. Um, if you listen to the show only, I, you know, that's the thing. The ratio of people that watch on YouTube as opposed to people that listen is ridiculous. Like, it is audio, and that's why we do all audio. So if you do just listen to the audio version of the show, which is like 99% of you, uh, come join us on a live show sometime and actually see the video. Um, 
Most and Mondays at noon. Most Mondays at noon, and you know maybe it will ruin it for you. I don't know. There's a lot of podcasts I listen to where I have this image in my head of what their studio looks like, and and like all the things, and it might ruin it for me if I actually see it. <laughs> ruin my worldview. You know? Oh, I love it. I have very specifically curated my nice wood background, so you all know mm-hmm. I live in a log cabin. Is it fake? Oh yeah, linoleum. <laughs> uh, wall panel. Linoleum yeah. wall panel or something? Yeah, I think yeah, just roll it on. It's composite. No, it's composite. Like, there's no sheetrock behind it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, but Jeff yeah. Burns just showed up. He missed the whole thing. Aww. I'm going to see Jeff in three weeks. Don't forget, Jeff. Jeff. I got to come Jeff's get guy. all the stuff from Camp Mograph that you still have. I'm really, excited to, see your, I'm really excited to see your felt project, Jeff. I really want to see that. The what now? He's working on a. Him and, and Alex Parker were talking about working on a felt. Uh, 3D animation oh. project of like Bible stories. Have they touched it yet? Really cool. I don't know, well, but then it's, it's not like felt. I'm really watching. Ah, ding that bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, what is it? Tell me what it is for real. It's it's a Bible stories through uh, felt character animation in Ooh, Cinema 4D. That's fun. I've been so. doing a lot of felt animation this year. If you need any tips on the fuzzy parts. I can give you some tips on the fuzzy parts. All right. Yeah. There we know. Make it look warm and fuzzy and backlight it a lot. Get those get those rim lights of that fuzzy stuff. It makes it look chef's kiss. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hush hush. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I ruined a secret surprise. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm so sorry. This huh? is this is my problem for talking what? to people is I learn too much. Okay. Allegedly. 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 There's there's no proof of this. I don't know what you're no, talking about. Three people watch this today. It's fine. Nobody uh, knows. It's okay. No one's watching. <laughs> oh, goodness. Cool. All awesome. Right. Um, make sure that you get yourself uh, some of our apparel. You know, get on there. Uh, we don't really make any money off of it, but, uh, you know, it's good stuff. You can get yourself a nice uh, Render Things t-shirt, hoodie, long-sleeve tee. You can get yourself a Paul Bad, Feel the Bad 2020 shirt, all the profits from that. Go to Doctors Without Borders, MoGraph Blandishment shirt, That Renders Fire shirt, which you're only allowed to wear, ironically. If you're shams. Unless you're shams. Unless you're shams. If you're shams, you are allowed to not wear it, ironically. (laughs) Did I say that right? I'm too confused. Let's just get off the show. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, yeah, we're on YouTube. YouTube.com slash MoGraph. We're at MoGraph on YouTube. We are at MoGraph.com on just about everything else. You can check out MoGraph TV 24-7. Turn it on. Rip the knob off. And uh, you can even see the live shows. Soon to be posting Frame 1 episodes as well. Dude, yes. We need to get that going. I need a whole revamp. I've got all of these uh, MoGraph nugs that are just about ready to go, all these extra episodes, all the stuff for MoGraph TV, and this year has completely pushed that. So maybe this fall I can finally bring that around and cool. fix cool. that all up. So If you want to check out Frame 1, it's at frame1show.com. Uh-huh. Otherwise, everything is at Frame 1 or Frame 1 Show on the YouTubes and the Instas and the TikToks and the, the mm-hmm. places. Soon to have Frame 1 Apparel. And your website is hyperfocus motion my little studio here in south dakota dot com specializing that's hyperfocus motion.com or mm-hmm. we are hyperfocused.com specializing in all your egg technology animation needs along with finance and bank and food and beverage yeah they're good stuff egg? But agriculture oh we eggs eggs i thought you specifically specialized specifically in eggs. those little round 
balls of deliciousness. We do all egg animations. That's all we do. <laughs> egg technology. Eggtech.com. Uh, that's it, though. Um, I really appreciate you filling in and sitting through the reschedules and whatnot and moving your schedule around uh, so that you could come hang out. And uh, oh, Thanks for having me. Always a good time. Looking forward to getting back in on uh, Discord and having some normalcy in my life again. I don't for think real. I've sat down for a full eight-hour day in front of my desk since before half-res. So time to get back to it. So, yeah. So we're going to get out of here. Until next time, I'm Dave. I'm Dryson. Have a good one. Bye. Later, yo. It's pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SeaGraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. We gotta stop this thing, Rick! It's gonna kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame, frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software, learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it! We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.